On this episode of the Surviving Outside Sales Podcast, I sit down with Megan Clark, author, sales executive, executive coach, and mentor. And we discuss the challenges that she faces and has faced in management and what can be done about it. We discuss about her book and also her online sales executive coaching program that is coming out in 2022. As always, love for you to subscribe, download, share, like, comment, reach out to the show, share with your friends. Really appreciate it. Now, on with the show. Intro The Surviving Outside Sales Podcast, hosted by Mike O'Kelly, presented by Rhythm AI. The goal is to get in, dominate, then get out. Surviving Outside Sales. Now, on with the show. Welcome to the Surviving Outside Sales Podcast. With us today is Megan Clark who is a published author, sales leader in the medical industry, certified executive and professional coach. Megan, how are you doing today? Mike, I am doing great. How are you? Good. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. I am right in the middle of your book, Skyscraper Management, Sales Management 101 Training and Teaching to Build a Solid Foundation for a Limitless Career. And I absolutely love it. So I know we're going to touch on the book, but what are you doing right now? Sure. So first of all, thank you for having me today. I think your podcast series is excellent and very real world and something that if you're in sales, outside sales in particular, or, you know, medical sales, I I really have found a lot of value of just, you know, listening to your podcast. And it's just been, I think you're doing some great stuff. So, you know, You're welcome. So basically, I've been in medical sales and sales management for 20 some years now. And basically, really didn't know what I wanted to do after college, but was an athlete my whole life. I wanted something that would challenge me and just fell into sales randomly. And and then got into medical sales. And ever since then, you know, went into sales, sales management. And then now, I'm a sales director for a medical company. Very nice. So what got you into sales when you're in sales? How did you excel? And then what got you into management? Sure. So it's crazy when I think it's like 20 plus years now, but I am that old. But, but <laughs> you know, what got me into to sales is, again, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was interning at Morgan Stanley my senior year in college. I met a sales manager who um, was in the pharmaceutical industry and was talking to me about what she did for a living. And I'm like, okay, that sounds interesting. It was as simple as that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because I really, I love playing sports. That was really what I was dedicated to for a good portion of my life and won a division two championship at a school called Barry university, Miami, and just really loved the athletic part of, of my life. But then after graduating, it's like, it's almost a letdown. Like, what am I going to do next? That's going to challenge me that, I mean, I'm ultra competitive. So what am I going to do to get this out? Right. So that's really what led me to sales. And I'd have to say this, I think everything's really meant to be. And I first tried to get into pharmaceutical sales and I got all no's and I went into uniform sales first. Mm -hmm. And that to this day, I think is one of the hardest jobs I've ever had. Basically cold calling, lumber yards, gas stations, you know, anywhere where you could wear a uniform, Mm -hmm. no leads, 
and it was just me hustling every day, trying to make things happen. And it's one of those, yeah, it's one of those grinder jobs, right? Where you're not handed a list like, Hey, go call on these people. You got to create the list. You're going to hear a lot more no's. You're going to hear yes. A a lot less polite people. Yeah. I get it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I remember one day it was like, I was on this dirt road, like in my car, just sitting there. And I was like, is it ever going to get any better? Is this as good as it gets? And I still remember that moment to this day, because I just thought after you graduated college and I did well in school, did well, you know, with most of the things that I, you know, put my efforts towards, I thought I was just all of a sudden going to get this great job after college. And luckily I didn't. Luckily I really was challenged in every job that I have ever gone from gone for is, you know, someone telling me, no, you don't have this experience or you don't have that experience or da 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 da. I've had to really believe in myself, develop myself on my own. And luckily with the help of, you know, companies and trainings and whatnot, but I've had to believe in myself because not only knows from customers, but knows from companies interviewing with trying to advance my career. It was always something, but, you know, everything has sort of continued to fall into place, but with a lot of effort on my behalf. So I started in pharmaceutical sales, ended up getting into medical device sales. And when I was with one company in particular, decided I wanted to get into management. And so the majority of my career now has been in sales management, and it's been managing other sales representatives and managing managers. What do you feel gives you the most excitement? Was it closing a big deal or leading a team that closes big deals? Mm. You know, this morning, something came to me and I really love being a sales representative and I did well, won president's clubs and, you know, I was younger in my career. So I would just get ultra focused. I'm like, I want to get on that, go on that trip. I want to win that president's club. I want to be number one. Right. I remember the first time as a manager, when one of my representatives went on the stage to get a president's club, when in, I still sort of get emotional about it. And I remember the challenges that she had. She literally was ranked, I mean, pretty much last in the company. And we worked together in collaboration and worked together as a team, but it was her and her initiative and her receiving the coaching and her inputting that coaching that made all the difference. And I remember I said to myself, this is the best moment in my career so far, mm-hmm. watching her get up on stage. And luckily I've watched, you know, many t- of my team members get up on stage. And I have to say, it is way more exciting for me to watch others be successful, for others to turn around a territory, for others that are struggling to really work at like I've had to do is really work at their craft and sales is a craft. It's what we do for a living. You don't just go into a football game without practicing, right? You don't just throw yourself in there, but yeah, it's supporting others on their journey towards what they want to do is really why I love doing what I do so much. That's great. And yeah, I guess it, you know, you have the personal success and then it's, you want that new challenge. 
Mm-hmm. And for you, it sounds like it was management. And then to see your success replicated in your sales team, yeah, it's almost like you're the mama bird and you, yeah. your, your team is growing up right before your eyes. I, I completely get it. And so that, that's awesome. So mm-hmm. when did you write the book? Because it's very difficult to find enough free time. How do you schedule your time in order to do so many things, but still be effective at your job? Sure. Sure. That's a great question. So I have an acronym for manage and it's meeting, acumen, nurture, accountability, getting stuff done and empathy. So getting stuff done is key if you want to be a successful manager. So I made a pact with myself. It's like as soon as I got on a plane after I was coming home from a trip, I didn't let myself, you know, watch a movie. I didn't let myself, you know, just do nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. That's when I wrote. And it it took a long time. I mean, it took a good few years and I dedicated myself during that time and also to on the weekends on working on this book and why it was so meaningful is because I, I love what I do for a living and I am still in corporate America. Right. And I love, you know, what I was doing at the time and what I'm doing now. So that has not changed. However, I knew on a greater scale, I wanted to help people. And that's what this is all about. I went into management with very little management experience. And the more research I did, the more I found it's about 60% of new managers don't get any training when they go into management. Mm -hmm. And it just hit me one day and I'm like, you know, why don't I just start writing about what I have learned, mostly the hard way, but learned through the years to help other people, especially new managers or people that want to get into management, or hey, even managers that are in management that may have not had gotten the training, to have a real world, just like your podcast is real world, this is real world. I have real stories in this combined with templates, tools, and advice that can really lay the foundation for a solid career in management. Yeah, what I really love about the book is what, what you're doing is for those who haven't read it, I, I do highly recommend you pick up the book. And what I really like about it is it it builds the foundation. So if you're in management and you didn't get that foundation, you can always go back to the first step. You don't don't think like, oh, I've been doing this for two years. I can't start over. You can always start over. And so literally, if you look at her book, the first main section is called your first 30 days. So you start from the beginning and you basically fill out, it's a blueprint for sales management. And if you follow the blueprint, if you have the plan and, you know, like I've said before, if you don't have a plan, you're going to have chaos. And so a lot of companies, what they do is they reward the top salespeople. Well, not all the top salespeople have inherent managerial skills, temperament, ideas, plans, et cetera. You, You might be really great working alone. And now you've got to teach somebody famously, Michael Jordan, best basketball player ever was a terrible general manager and a terrible coach. He, he couldn't, he didn't understand why people couldn't do what he did because he was so gifted and so talented. So managers are not born. They are made, they are trained properly. Would you agree? Most definitely. I came in My first management position, it was actually within a company where I was a sales representative and went from a sales representative to a manager. I moved to Houston, took over my first team. So not only moved from Miami, where I've been living for the majority of my adult life, so moved from Miami to Houston, took on a new team, 
And my, I came in guns blazing, like first call, these were the <laughs> expectations, you know, like, I mean, horrible. I mean, I could not have bombed more. I still remember that moment and that this team responded like, oh my gosh, who are we working for? Right. Mm-hmm. And I really had a backtrack. And that's when I first started getting into what I can do now is help others go into their first 30 days in particular and go into it being successful because every job you start, right? Everyone's nervous. doesn't matter if you're a manager, sales rep, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. You're nervous, right? But when you become a manager, you're not an individual contributor anymore. And it's about your team. Mm-hmm. What I needed to do looking back then is make my team feel comfortable, get to know them, get to know what drives them, what was meaningful to them, etc. So yeah, now much different how I go into starting a new position. <laughs> wow. I mean, the, the first year was very interesting. First 30 days in particular, it's like, okay, I have the job. What do I do now? You know, what do I do? And yeah, uh, I, this, will, this is a blueprint, literally a blueprint of what you can do. You're giving me flashbacks to when <laughs> I was a young manager, when I first started out and I was with enterprise and I walk into the, so the store was controlling two stores, 12 total employees and a very large operation. And I remember first day I walked in and this was a super underperforming store. And I still, right now, when you were talking, I had not remembered, I guess I'd suppressed that memory. <laughs> I remember walking in just like you did, like a drill sergeant. And I said, things are going to change around here, blah, blah, blah. And we're going to do things the right way, not the easy way. And, you know, I started talking about all these different things that I was going to implement day one. And, and I remember seeing, I can still see the glaze look over their eyes. Like they just had a really rough day. Mm-hmm. They had just kind of, you know, been taken to the ringers. Like it was a very busy store. They're tired. They want to go home. It's six 30 at night. And here's this guy who's going to take over. I, I still think about that. I mean, that was 2007. That was 14 years ago. And I remember I, to this day, I still, I would have done that hundred percent different. I, I know exactly how you feel and felt in that moment. And you still agonize over that. It's, I still agonize over that moment. And I've said on previous podcasts, if I managed any people in the past and I was a drill sergeant, I apologize. <laughs> so I just, that was kind of how I was trained was these are the expectations and, but everybody's different. And so you, you can't just tell people you have to be like a drill sergeant because it might not fit your personality and it might not resonate with your people. So yeah, that's, you know, kind of a little flashback, but let's move on. So besides the book, you're going to, you're working on some other really, really cool things. Do you want to share now? Sure. So a few years ago, along with writing the book, I decided to take a course at university of Miami and it was on professional coaching Mm -hmm. and it was a year and a half long course and Tuesday and Thursday nights in my hotel rooms, usually all across the country, I'd be in class. And then on Saturdays, working with my partner from the class to ultimately work to become a professional coach. Now, I have to say this. I have very little time. My day job keeps me quite busy. Mm -hmm. However, what I've done with um, the professional coaching is I've gotten my accreditation through the International Coaching Federation. Mm -hmm. And I've used it more towards charity work. And I have to say, 
it's been one of the most meaningful experiences of my life is to help other people, especially those that pro- that would not have the ability to pay for a professional coach or whatnot to have to go on that journey with them too. And there's one person in particular that has just been extremely special to watch her and what she has gone through to get where she is going. And um, if anything, I am the one that feels very lucky to be coaching someone like herself. And so I've been on that journey. Also to the templates that I've used throughout the, the years is our templates that are like tried and true. So I have branded them, copyrighted them. And in 2022, there'll be an online academy where people can basically use these tools themselves. And it'll be instructional to where they can implement it with their team members. So, so yeah, so I mean, all of a sudden things opened up beyond just what I was doing in my day job, but I have to say this, it has made me better at what I do today. Mm-hmm. The professional coaching, you don't tell people what to do because how much do you want to do something like if someone tells you what to do, Hey Mike, you got to do this, this, that. <laughs> well, the only way that that would happen is if it was somebody like in the gym, just telling me, Hey, if you do X, you'll look like Chris Hemsworth. Other than that. Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really about helping others through collaboration find, you know, what they have a gap in and helping them come up with the solutions because we all have the solutions within ourselves. We do. We just have to go deep. And that's the hard part. One, you have to want to go deep. And two, it's someone working with you to go deeper on that level. So I have to say that has really helped what I'm doing now as a sales director. So Ultimately, I have to say this is this book is a lot of personal experience and it's everything from your first 30 days to also when someone's not a right fit within a company. And I learned the hard way with that too, is when you know someone's not the right fit, it is more compassionate, in my opinion, to have the conversations up front. Then, then to let someone struggle in a position after you've been coaching them, gave them all the chances, right, that they needed to be in a position that they're not meant to be in. And sometimes us as managers, we can hold people back from what they really are intended to do. Mm-hmm. So this book is a, it's not just a 101. It's really comes from my heart and a lot of, a lot of tough times from having to let people go to sales team members going through personal crisis and my E and manage is empathy. And I just posted an article on empathy and it got 5,000 views. Now that's by far the most views that I've had on anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think people are starving to number one, be heard to be empathized with, meaning that the people that they work with, especially their manager, is understanding and relating to them. And to me, all those, all the people like reading that article, it really stood out to me. It's like, that's a part of management too. It's not just about the field coaching reports. And it's not just about (laughs) number one, right? Hitting your, your number and whatnot and getting a team to do it. But it's, also very much the interpersonal emotional side of the role. And how do you get a group of people to follow you on this journey? Right? Yeah. A good manager, when they look behind them, they see their team is 
not behind them, but they're with them, right? Side by side. A manager who's not self-aware looks behind themselves and their team is nowhere to be found, right? Mm -hmm. So there's way more than just, hey, go out and hit your number. Tell you, give a list of what they need to do during the week, blah, blah, blah. There's a very big emotional component to being a good manager. I, I agree because in my experiences, I haven't had that for the most part. There are two managers that I had in my career that I'm still very close with. Mm-hmm. And both of them acted the exact same. I'm very unique. I'm very different. I'm not going to walk into a company and you say, do this, do this, do this. I'm going to question everything you say, not because I'm questioning your intelligence or questioning your authority. I want to know what the why is. Mm-hmm. And so there was only two of about nine managers that I had. So 22%, not good. That actually said, Mike, let's get to know you as a person. How does your mind work? How does your mind operate? My mind works like I'm out here playing chess. And I think a lot of times companies try to play checkers. They're like, just do this, do this. Very simple moves. And I said, well, no, I, because my big struggle was, I always ask, where was this territory before I got here? And they said, oh, the territory failed. It was horrible. It was downsized. Okay. Then what they were doing, I'm going to do the complete opposite of. I'm not going to continue to do the same thing. And I only had two managers when I said this, were like, okay, let's do it. Let's roll up our sleeves and let's figure this out. The Mm -hmm. others were like, no, 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 no. You're going to do it this way. In fact, I kept hearing you got to get with the program. I had two managers that said, I have to get with their program. And one guy just said, I think your program sucks. (laughs) I mean, I had management experience. I had three and a half years of management experience before getting into the pharmaceutical world. And so I had made mistakes, but I was out there doing what I was asking employees to do. Like, Everybody knows enterprise rent a car. I was washing cars. I was dealing with customers. I was picking them up. I was, I was doing everything. There was nothing that I asked somebody to do that I wouldn't do myself. And so, yes, I could have been a lot more tactful in how I spoke to people. I just barked orders because that's how my dad was in the military. That's how I grew up. I was an athlete. You didn't question the coach say, Hey coach, can you soften your tone? No. If the coach tells your butt to go somewhere, you go there or you're not going to play. He's going to put you on the bench. So that's kind of how I was grown up with a bunch of drill sergeants. Surviving Outside Sales podcast is brought to you by Rhythm AI. If you are in outside sales, check out rhythmai.com. That's R-I-T-H-M-A-I.com. The sales enablement tool that will help outside sales teams build their best sales days every day. Rhythm, prospecting, targeting, and routing simplified. Everything an outside sales team needs, nothing it doesn't. Try for $1 for the first month today. That's rhythmai.com. Now back to the show. And I would have had a lot better relationship with my managers if they had just simply sought to understand me mm-hmm. because the two managers I really got along with, I would have run through a brick wall for them. Yeah. Like you said, I wanted to be heard because yeah. I'd been a manager and I'd failed and I'd, I had been very successful in sales and I'd also failed. So I've seen both sides of the coin. You know, I was very wise beyond my years and it was kind of like, no, that's not how we do things here. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. The worst sentence 
in the American language is this is the way we've always done things. And this is how we're going to do it. Yeah. No, yeah, no, I'm a very creative person and the managers that have just let me go and, but have trusted me and literally trusted me, you know, with national rules, right. So regional national and the ones that trust me and let me, of course, you can't just do whatever you want, right? But you have to have a very strategic mindset and have things tuned up. The ones that really, you could feel it when people believe in you. And that means everything. That's everything. And I really try to do that with my team members too. Like now when I start a, a position, I have this personal communication guide that I give out first to my team members. And it's just questions that I came up with that I would want someone to ask me when I started, when I start a position, right? How do you like to communicate? Who was your most, you know, impactful manager? What made them different? You know, what motivates you? Why wait months to figure out what is important to people? And this template is actually on my website too. And I I highly encourage anyone who is starting a position or if you're even taking another position in your company, but you have new direct reports, this should be your first conversation. You should be understanding that person and really what makes them tick. And that's the difference between Megan years ago and now is it's very different for me. I really under, seek to understand and every day is a learning experience. I, until the day we die, I truly believe that we all should be open to learning and growing. So even from two years ago or pre-COVID, I have learned so much, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know it all, but I really try to support others towards their success and learn as much as I can to be the best you know, leader I can be. Education continues. And yeah. I wish I would have told myself that about a decade ago. It's not that I thought I knew everything, but I didn't realize how much more I could grow. Yeah. And so if you're listening right now, if you're sales, your management, doesn't matter where you are in your career, you can always get better. You can always learn more. You have not learned everything you possibly can. And I know we've talked about this in the past. I believe you should spend upwards of 3% on whatever you're expecting to make that year on re-education. So if you're trying to make six figures, that's $3,000 a year. You should be buying courses. And as long as you take at least one thing away from it, imagine if you did that on five or six different things every year. Just one little thing here, one little template, one phrase, one word, one mindset. When we're professionals, think about this in the correlation of being a professional athlete. Professional athletes nowadays, when the season is over, they don't sit on their butt until training camp. They take a couple weeks off, you know, decompress, get the mind right, and then they get back at it and they're training hard. Be honest, if you're listening to this right now, how many of you salespeople, when you get home at night, you study, you read sales books on the weekend. Be honest with yourself. I, I, I know I was not doing it until about six or seven years ago on a consistent basis. And once I did, once I started reading books, all of a sudden my mind was blown at how little I knew. It wasn't that I, was, I wasn't picking up a lot. I was just shocked at, oh man, I thought I knew a lot. I didn't. 
because there's the, you could spend your entire life studying sales and because the evolution of interaction with our prospects and clients is always evolving, you're never going to master it hundred percent. And you always have to continue because you have to constantly be evolving, learning. So mentorships, classes, I'm very excited for your course to come out in next year. I'm very excited. I'm always about promoting courses and books. So besides everybody should go out and get the book. Once it is available, I'd like to have you back on and we'll talk about it just to let the audience know it's available. We know we, we kind of previewed this several months ago. So anybody that is trying to get into management. So let's say, you know, people that are not in management right now, the future of managers, because Megan, I think some managers are just lost. (laughs) You're not going to be able to bring them back. So what advice do you have to those who have been thinking about getting into management? What advice would you give them? That's a great question. And I think especially for those that don't have a formal management training program, and I was in a big company that you would think there was would be a robust training program, and there wasn't. So I told anyone that would listen in a leadership position in that company that I wanted to become a manager. And it wasn't just I want, I put the work in. So I read a lot of books. I I made it clear that with my manager and his manager, what my goal was. And I have to say this, if it wasn't for the kindness and the giving nature of others as well, I don't know where I would be or if my career would be what it is or or whatnot. So I have to say this, make it known what your goal is. You may not have a formal program, but a good leader will be like, okay, Megan, I would love to work with you on that. And that's what what my managers did. And, and they really helped me, whether it's becoming a field sales trainer, getting out there and working with other team members, doing practicing field coaching reports, giving feedback. I would read books and I would do a little write-up and send it to my manager. This is what I learned from this book. Anything I could possibly do to learn and grow on my own, I did. And I eventually got my shot. And it took some time. And I'd have to say that you have to be patient. If you don't have management experience, you are going to get so many no's. You're going to get so many people say you don't have management experience, blah, blah, blah. Every job, every role, I've heard it all. And guess what? I've always overcome it. And I've done quite well in the roles I'm in. So don't give up on yourself and make it known what you want to do. But you have to do the work. What I see is people like, oh, well, what training program do you have? What are you going to put me in? If you don't have one, you do the work. You figure it out and you work with, you make it known and work with your leadership team. And I'd have to say this, you brought up a great question. The art of coaching is the one thing that I see slipping these days. And after being with a few companies and managing managers, I'd have to say this is The field coaching reports, the feedback that we give our team members. If you're a manager and you're in the field, you're usually going out and traveling every week. You're spending two to three days with a team member. Mm -hmm. So you're going to get back on the plane, go back to doing your daily activities, not give them feedback, not give them, you know, a coaching report and not work with them on what 
you agreed upon that they you, you should be working on together. I always ask before the end of a field ride along, what do you feel you need to work on? It's always lined up with what I saw. I, I swear it's like 98, 99% always lined up. People are very self-aware. But then that's where I continue to coach and set up the follow-up calls and say it's probing questions. Okay, come with five probing questions for this specialty or this or that. I hold myself just as accountable as I do with the representatives of, you know, making sure there's the follow-up. Coaching absolutely changes the trajectory of not only an individual, but your team in general, and ultimately an organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the old phrase goes, they don't quit jobs, people quit managers. I can tell you, that's... That's, that's very true. And a lot of people will not wish to start over. And so they'll stay at a job as long as they believe they're heard, they're being compensated. Well, it it is very important. And I, I think it really gets swept under the rug. Now it's not as much of a focus. It is somebody gets hired. And then it's, if you're promoted, then how quick can you fill your territory? Mm-hmm. So the minute you get promoted in most companies, it's, the first thing you have to do is hire your replacement. And so when's the training? Yes. When is the, I think, I think that overall, this is a broad statement that management is so obsessed with just hitting numbers and goals. It's like timeout. You're setting yourself up for failure in the long run because you're not taking the two to four weeks to set up this new manager for success. Or companies will only hire for management. Oh, I need eight years of management experience for a a management job. It's like, come on, really? That's telling me that the person who's hiring doesn't want to do any training. Mm -hmm. So they just want to find somebody that's already done it, just plug and play, and then just send out reports. So it's not just at the, at the smaller level. That's how I see it. And, um, I have a few friends who've been C-level at, at medical and pharmaceutical companies, and they'll say that's true. The conversations behind closed doors, we just don't have time or it's not our job or things like that. So I hope that changes. But again, like I mentioned before, I think the younger generation is where sales can start making a, a comeback in a lot of the ways that we're talking about. It's not changing you know, 50 and above. It's helping that the 20s and the 30s and early 40s evolve and grow and giving them the systems and the processes and the training to correct some of the things that might've been missed for the last 15 years. Is that fair? I think there's a lot of what you just said, that's fair, but there's also so many good managers out and I'm with a company now that has a great culture and my management team is willing to put the work into training uh, new representatives or bringing on the right people, et cetera. What's hard is all of it's very time consuming. If you want to be a good coach as a manager, it takes time. And I reflect back upon, I think one of the most pivotal moments in my career when I went from pharmaceutical sales to medical device sales just came from winning President's Club. I mean, this is a while ago. I, I thought I was like, oh, I'm going to kill it. I'm going to do great, blah, blah, blah. I was put on a plan. Like, I think three or four months into that position. Now, that manager, she was tough, 
But you know what? She was in it every step of, of the way with me. And you talked about earlier the development. I used to go to bed and have probing questions, you know, night on my nightstand. I practiced. I made the decision, though. I'm going to put everything into it, into this. And she put everything into it. And a year later, I won President's Club. A year after that, I believe, was when I got my first field sales trainer position and then a management position. If it wasn't for that manager putting in that time and effort, I, I mean, I would have been exited probably from that company. That's why coaching is so important and we can't lose focus of that as managers. Yes, it's about a number, but you got to coach the person to get to that number, right? There's a lot that goes into it. So I have to say this, I'm very, I've I've been very blessed to have wonderful representatives that I've worked with and wonderful managers that really um, have, but you build, you build the culture on your team. And I've had wonderful teams that care so much about patients because we're in medical sales and what we're doing patients, it gives them their purpose and it gives us our passion. And I feel the same way. So it's been, you know, a great ride so far. I'm looking forward to, you know, the future and continuing to do what I'm doing, but also I really do hope this book, even if it helps just, you know, a few people, I felt so alone when I became a manager Mm -hmm. and I, I felt you know, stupid, to be honest with you. Like the first 30 days, it's like, well, I should know what to do, right? I've had managers manage me. Don't feel like you're on an island. Really reach out, you know, get a mentor within your company that you really respect that has proven success as a manager. Mm-hmm. People like my stuff, we want to help other people. And it's a very pay it forward kind of thing. Because if it wasn't for my mentor, in particular, I've had a few, but one in particular, in the time that he put in uh, every, you know, every week having calls with me, making sure I got up and running, then I would have been completely lost. So I, I really do hope this book helps helps folks out there. And even if you are a manager who is already out there tenured, this goes over everything from field coaching reports, territory planning, HR. And, and stories behind that, but also to what's your meaning? What's your manager's mission statement? Because I will tell you what, as much as I love what I do, there has been days when maybe I should just go back to sales and worry about <laughs> Megan. And that, because I don't think anyone's appreciating it, but you have those days. And then what I do is reflect back on what I love. And that's the people that I'm working with and managing and I love what I do. And then that gets me through those tough times. So the book sort of encompasses all of that. And the the book is the foundation. Mm-hmm. Just as if you're in sales, if you're going into management, you've got to build a very, very strong foundation. If you do that, it's going to be a lot simpler to build that house on top of it. But if you rush some steps and you just build a very weak foundation or a very small foundation, it's going to be like a house of cards. It's going to fall over and you're going to struggle. And so, well, yeah. yeah, that's why we don't want to build a house. We want to build a skyscraper, right? Yeah. There you go. Skyscraper management. Someone's <laughs> you got to build and it was something very different. You got the, it was about 
something very different. And this person said to me, Megan, you need to build this out like you're going to build a skyscraper. So that's the same thing with your career, right? You have to have the foundation, like you said, to build the house. In our case, we're building the skyscraper. Mm -hmm. Limitless, right? You want to be limitless in your career. Absolutely. So the website is www.skyscraper-management.com. And people can find all of those templates that you mentioned, correct? Three very essential templates, not giving it all, you know, yeah. you know, all, all, all on there, Mike, that's to come, but three go. essential templates. So go check out the website, download them and, and implement them with your team members. And also to my contact information is, is on the website. Feel free to reach out to me. Um, if you have any questions on how to use those templates again, I, I got into this because I wanted to help other people. And I hope this book certainly does that. Absolutely. It's, it's a fantastic read. Everybody should go pick it up. You should reach out to Megan. It's skyscraper-management.com and download those resources, use them, try them out. The best thing to know when you're outside in sales and you're in management and you're not sure if what you're doing is correct, seeking out information. So if you go to this and you see all the things Megan's doing, you're like, oh, I'm doing this. It also kind of lets you know you're on the right track. But if you can pick up one or two things, I guarantee you you will from the book. If you can pick up one or two things, that's the goal. I can't harp on that enough. You know, reading a book, it's not going to be 200 pages of everything is brand new to you. You've probably picked up some things along the way, but it's it's just cultivating that one or two tips, those one or two processes you're not utilizing in your day that might click for you, that might send you off like a rocket ship. And that's the goal. We want every single person listening to have their sales or their team take off like a rocket ship. And so we're just trying to share as many resources as possible. So please go to skyscraper-management.com, reach out to Megan, connect with her. And Megan, thank you so much for joining. This has been absolutely great. It's been a pleasure getting to know you over these past couple of weeks. And I'm going to let you have the last word and say goodbye to the audience. Yeah, no, thank you, Mike. In the honestly, I really feel like this your podcast is helping people because exactly what you just said. If you can take away one to two things from a podcast, from a book, from a training, as the years go on, that all you know, <laughs> adds up. It all adds up. It all adds up. So I think you're doing great work with this podcast. So thank you for having me on. And when the academy comes out, I hope uh, you'll have me back on. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I do appreciate it. And if you like the show, please subscribe, download, like, share, tell your friends, reach out to me, Mike at survivingoutsidesales.com. That is Mike at survivingoutsidesales.com. Megan, have a great day and we will talk to the audience later. Thank you. Take care. Bye.